We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. And uh, coming in September 2020, a new site we have built together called... Defector. Defector, and we're going to have a new podcast to go with it. This very podcast, which has the name... The Distraction. It's out right now, and it's available everywhere else you get your podcast. At Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction everywhere. It's out right now. Go listen. See ya. Bye. So next to zodiac sign and favorite color, it never really occurred to me that when dating someone, to ask their political party affiliation. Deadass. Wouldn't think about it. Well, deadass, we never would have got married if I told my mother that you were Republican. <laughs> but, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's funny you say that like that. But deadass, right. my mother was not having it. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention, we're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. When we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take pillow talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts now. So I know we've told you guys a little of the backstory of how Deval and I met. You know, I was a young, wet behind the ears, 18-year-old girl, and, you know, just uh, madly, madly, potentially madly in love with this guy here. Potentially. Potentially madly <laughs> in love. There was a prospect there, you know. I, right. I foresaw him growing into his head and whatnot. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try to find this guy's phone number. Couldn't find his phone number. Went to the white pages, and I went and put in his last name, and I found his dad's phone number. The house phone number, his name Ooh, and everything, you, right? Strange, strange person. Yes. So I did all that <laughs> and uh, called the house phone and spoke to his mom. And she was the sweetest, sweetest person on the phone. Oh, my goodness, my Kadeen, mom. it's so good to, to hear from you. We had such a great time at that banquet. Oh, my goodness, I have a perfect picture of you and DeVal and stuff. So I got yes. DeVal's phone number, his cell phone number from his mom. And we up. had a great conversation on the phone that day. Fast forward to Deval and I actually, you know, seeing each other, hanging out a couple times. Yeah. I guess, you know, it was time for me to go to the house and meet the family. Meet mom dudes. You know, yeah, meet yeah. mom uh, again. You I know. knew dad was going to approve. How you knew? Because <laughs> you look good. Like, <laughs> so, dads are easy, you know? Okay, okay. <laughs> so, you know, it was very off-putting because, you know, the phone conversation that we had initially, like I said, my mother-in-law was sweet as pie. Yes. And uh, we got to the house and everyone sat down and, you know, I was offered a drink and I went into the kitchen and sat with his mom and she's like, so Kadeen, I'm like, yeah, what's up, Mrs. Ellis, <laughs> you know, and she's just like, uh, what church are you a member at? Mm. Mm. And I was like, uh, uh, member? I mean, I my family goes to mm. XYZ Church. Strike one. And she's like, oh, 
and then she has her little Pepsi and she's like, <laughs> you know, the straw is in the cup and she's like swirling it around and I can hear her ice and I can literally hear like all of the bubbles from that carbonated soda popping because then it got really, really awkward and weird. Yes. And she's just like, okay, and, and you're, uh, you're what, 18? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm 18. My birthday is in December. I'll be 19. And she's like, oh, okay. So you couldn't vote in the last election. Uh, are you registered to vote? Yo, that's my mother. My mama used to say, take your time, young man. Hey. My mama used to say, don't you rush to get old. My mama used to say, take it in your stride. My mama used to say, live your life. <laughs> Shout out, Karen Ellis. <laughs> I love that. My mama, you, I was about to say, did it have to have that little You, you got to start it? with the... Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> if you don't say it like that, then you don't really want to sing the song. So clearly you've grown up on this song because I don't know what the song is. I don't think I've ever heard it. No, that's this is part of you being, you know, Caribbean, West Indian. And this is part of me being American. And, you know, what from What that got to do with it? Have you ever heard the song before? No. So if your parents grew up in this country, I guarantee you would have heard the song at a barbecue. <laughs> at a barbecue. Period. <laughs> Period. You would have heard my used to say. You're right. So what? My barbecue invite got revoked? No, it didn't get revoked, but you listen to different songs. Like, That's I walk into your, your house and I hear, Night nurse. Oh, you sure do. do, do, do Only do, do, them do, alone can quench this yatters. And I didn't hear that until... I started dating you and going to your barbecue. So. Very true. But let's not deflect off the fact that my mom... Mm. My mom. Oh, let me not. Let me not go. Mm. It's more like a <clears throat> the yes, gatekeeper. Yes, yeah, mom. don't disrespect. Don't, for I, you know, I have to call Karen. I don't want Karen, Karen come bust find up in me. here. Karen gonna bust up in here. <laughs> you know she don't play about babies. So in but, my um, story, I talked about mom being like the gatekeeper. Yes. of their children, which yes. I can completely agree with. That's me. Yes. That's the, I would do the same thing for my boys. Absolutely, you um, would be. You know, and we talked about politics. Yeah, we talk about religion. religion. So that brought us to start talking about today, you know, what topics are taboo or no longer taboo for us millennials? And given the culture right now, what are things that people talk about and don't talk about? What's on the table? What's off the table? Well, the funny thing is some are taboo and some aren't taboo. And the way we the reason why we came up with this was because you know, our parents, uh, you know, come out to visit us and it just so happened that our brother and sister brought home their significant others and to meet the parents. And me watching the dynamic of how it works just reminds me of me going through it, meeting yes. your parents. That's you know? absolutely and true. Because we're both kind of far removed from the dating scene. Yeah. But we're very yeah. far removed very from far the dating removed. scene. So there's certain things around dating that we don't necessarily, right. we're not savvy to anymore. And it's funny because when, it doesn't matter if your brother or your sister or my brother or my sister bring home a significant other. Mm -hmm. It seems like the dads are laid back. Oh, what's up? Nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. Right. The moms go into a different type of mode and they start asking questions. Right. You know, just like my mom asked you, what church family are you a part of? Right. You know, did you vote? Mm -hmm. You know, and that made me think about something because it's something you said in the very beginning, especially speaking with politics. You said, um, I said, if you were Republican, my mother wouldn't have let me marry you. And you was just like, well, I'm not. <laughs> and it just made me laugh because it's like black people wear being a Democrat as a badge of honor. You know uh, you're saying? right. You're absolutely right about and that. And I comp I don't understand why. I got friends. <laughs> I got friends who will hear someone else who's black is a Republican. Uh-huh. Oh, a black be, Republican. Uh, yeah. And they'll be like, they'll be like, oh, he Republican? I'll be like, bro, you a Democrat, but you don't even know who's running in the Democratic Party. Oh, but so you're we're just, just proud we're to just be labeling ourselves a Democrat, right. but we don't understand what's going on with but, the Democratic Party per se. We don't know what's going on with any party. And okay. and what what is flabbergasting to me. <laughs> 
is that we judge people. So I have a question for you. Yeah. You're a single millennial, hypothetically, because okay. you're not. Okay. All right? Mm-hmm. And you meet a guy. Mm-hmm. Tall, mm-hmm. dark, handsome, mm-hmm. bearded up, mm-hmm. makes Ooh, good money. Love a good beard. You know that. You know, makes good money. Okay. All right? Right. Great in bed. Right. And wears a MAGA hat. <laughs> Is that a deal breaker for you? Yes. Yes? Yes. That would have to be a deal breaker for me. So, be- and, and not because, um, I, I would say it's not a deal breaker for me because of the simple fact that he himself may be a Republican. But I think about even some of our friends who, who's, who's, salaries may put them in the tax bracket to be a Republican. Right. Right. So they may side with Republicans. However, you have to think about how everyone else around you is affected by that. I agree. No, I agree. And I feel like maybe this this young man who seems to be the perfect uh, makeup, Mm -hmm. you know, may not be in touch with his people or the people around him and how they're being affected by See, that. That's why, you know, that's why it's important because Kadeen and I, we have a list of, of, of five things here that we think is very important for people to talk about when dating mm-hmm. that are taboo. Yes. And we're going to start with politics, but we're going to go down the list, right? Okay. Politics is very important mm-hmm. because who you vote for and what political party you are affiliated with often describes and, and points you in a position for your moral compass. Right. For sure. And I learned this growing up. I remember when I was I I called my mother Angela Davis. All right. Mama, all she's missing is the Afro. She grew up in a time where she was the first class to be integrated into James Madison High School and also Marine Park. So she had to deal with racism her whole life, especially getting her education. And um, she's always made me feel uh, proud to be black. And part of being black was also voting, especially in local elections. Not so much, you know, always the, you know, you got to be, who's the president? Everyone cares about who's the president, but you have to be involved with local elections. You have a better chance of affecting and influencing your right. government locally. Or feeling that change that you're de- desiring right. by having that hand in the um, the community. Right, absolutely. So, right, for sure. So for me, it was like being aware politically mm-hmm. means a lot, mm-hmm. right? And I was always like Democrat, 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 because that's what I grew up. That's what I was born as Democrat. Then we make it to the NFL, the two of us, and you start making a ton of money and you realize that they tax you at 48 percent. And then you start hearing the murmurs of, well, this is what the Republican Party is fighting for. They want, you know, greater tax breaks for people who make a lot more money. And then you start to realize like you start to feel like, damn, if I was a Republican, I can get more tax breaks. Mm -hmm. But then you start to think about how many people around you aren't in that tax bracket. And what else comes with that party? You know what I'm saying? You think about uh, criminal justice reform, Absolutely, for Absolutely, because it's not all, it's, I'm sorry, it's not all about the money or the salary. Right. And, so who's going to jail? And under exactly. This, <laughs> under this party. Right. So, you know, you know? You're, you're making more money or you get some tax breaks, but how many people that look like you are going to be massively incarcerated? So you were never tempted at any point, like, you know, when you were making that kind of money NFL days to be like, man, I should really vote for somebody who's going to protect the best interests of my wealth so that way I can then help to build this legacy for my future children that you know I aspire to have full full transparency um when I turned 16 I believe it was the 2000 election which was Bush then 2004 I believe was Bush again he became Mm reelected Bush again right so I kind of felt like just you know, knowing my mom, understanding a little bit about politics was that you know we're in New York. New York's a blue state. They're typically going to be Democratic. I didn't feel the pressure of of voting as much. Mm. Then two thousand eight was Obama. 
I didn't care what it was. I was voting for Obama. You know, right. it just it, it was what it was. Like that's just what it was. And then more recently, and the recent election was really what hit me. Like, dang, am I going to go for Democrat or Republican? Am I going to go Trump, who's speaking about economics? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to go with Hillary Clinton? You know, and to be 100% honest, I did not know which of those two to pick from. I really right. didn't. You know, you think about the history of the party and you want to vote with the history of the party. But then you actually think about the candidate and you think about being called super predators. And you think about how mass incarceration grew during the Clinton era. Mm-hmm. And then it's like. Oh, yeah. Never you know, forget that. You know, for it, sure. it kind of it kind of makes you wonder and question. But then that made me realize about millennials. Mm-hmm. Right. You know how many millennials dis- like discuss politics when that was taboo at one point? You know, I will be the first one to admit that politic talk, even just like now, kind of makes me feel a little some kind of way because it's something that I never really grew up around. For example, I say that, you know, politics like for you was a major mm-hmm. thing in your family. Like your mom right. always and still she'll text us and remind us to go out and vote. Because, for all you know, of the elections, all of the, the local elections. elections. We get in the group texts. Don't forget to go out and vote today. Absolutely. Um, in my household, it wasn't really a thing. It was like, OK, well, there's a presidential election. We're registered to vote. We'll go right. vote. And that was really it. It was not ingrained in me at a young age, the importance of politics and my voice in it. Um, and it's funny because I don't feel like I mean, me particularly I don't speak to Jackson as much about politics. Um, do you have your moments when you have your talks with him? Because yes. Yeah, okay, you do. Yes. At he, least one he, of us is covering it because I, I mean, said, my, I know I, I for sure don't talk much about politics with Jackson, but he does need to know the history of where he come from and how he got here. This last presidential election was eye-opening for everyone because there were so many people and, and Hillary Clinton was polling to just win in a landslide and she lost. And I remember Jackson came home to me and said that so many people at his school was upset. Yes, a lot of people were upset. And yeah. I had to have this conversation. Oh, we have to explain why. At, at the time. And he was six at the time or mm-hmm. five at the time. But he was asking questions. So I, I can't, you know, eloquently articulate to a five-year-old what happened. Mm-hmm. But I can, you know, I can speak to him about what happens in elections and stuff. But um, for me, I think speaking about politics mm-hmm. to your significant other is important. Because you can get an idea about someone's moral compass mm-hmm. you know you don't want to like, i'll give you an example um some of my white my white counterparts mm-hmm. right they're married as well and they'll say to me that me and my wife don't discuss politics or who we're voting for or what political party exists in our household their significant other their wife so it's not oh wife. wife so it's not even like oh i'm gonna unfriend this person on facebook because they posted some wild comment nah. about something that i didn't agree with because See, there'd be some facebook wars okay po- because politics, people putting out these 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 status updates that people don't agree with and it's like word listen i thought such and such was cool sarah ain't cool yo i'm about to unfriend her because of what she said about this current electric you know election climate yes because because politics is very triggering for some people yeah and sure. very polarizing. So for I sure. see people who lose friends and defriend people because they discuss politics on Facebook. When it comes to dating, like one of my, my buddies, he says him and his wife, they've been married for seven years. Mm-hmm. They've never discussed any election, who they're voting for, or their political party. So everything Period. is done in secrecy. Well, yes. secrecy and, and I think part. that's a that's a culture thing mm-hmm. because, you know, he, he's he's white. His friends are white. They all agree on that. They don't right. do that. And I'm like, in the in the black community, that's not... Right. Like in my household, we, we had no secrets. In my house, you couldn't even close the door. My mother, you know, <laughs> no, we're going to talk about this. Privacy? This. What is that? And he, he had privacy in his house growing up. So I feel like culturally he grew up with privacy thinking mm-hmm. this is my information. I can keep it. Or ultimately, maybe politics don't matter to some people. Maybe in their moral compass that you spoke of, maybe politics is just not one of those points in there. Hell no. They got to matter. I would like to know if my wife is donating money to a political party. 
that you know, like like for example, I mean, you, well, yeah, because we are us, and you just said your white counterparts don't do that. Now, I, it's, and I just feel like politics has to be discussed. Mm-hmm. If we talk about if we talking about taboo things that need to be discussed during relationships mm-hmm. or during the dating process, right? Politics has to be one. Now, when you discuss it is up for debate. But you must discuss politics before you get married. So the question is, are you going to be as forward as my mother-in-law was on the <laughs> second meetup and be like, so, who are you affiliated with? Right, yeah. <laughs> are you going to wait till we get into the thick of things when you're already mesmerized, you know, by this person and it's just like, damn, this person is an op- opposing party. Right. And it's, and it's, so that would be a, a deal breaker for you if someone just came in. And just had on a Make America Great Again hat. Right. And don't matter if they look like Kofi look from Brown Sugar. I would just say, brother, you are above, this is above me. So Kofi from this Brown entire, Sugar, because you know that's yeah, your bae, right? Right. That's your bae, Kofi that's, from Brown that's Sugar. That's my bae. Yes. Shout out to Kofi. Right, let me, don't get Kofi fucked up on this. <laughs> if I see Kofi, Kofi, where you at? It's going to be on site <laughs> if I see Kofi. If you I see and your Kofi. Hat. I'm mm. going to shave his beard off. <laughs> You're so I'm, annoying. You're so annoying. I'm messing with you. But, um, okay, so we got politics. Number two. Uh-huh. Religion. My mom also asked you. She also asked you. She also asked me. What church family are you a member? Am I a member of? Not even like what church do you go to intermittently? (laughs) She's like, where are you a member at? Where are you tithing at? Right. And I was like, well, my family, uh, (laughs) I was raised. But do you understand uh, why that's important to her? No, absolutely. I I think even more than politics, Mm -hmm. I feel like religion when you talk about that moral compass, has more of an impact, you know, on things that are greater than you. So you want to really, th- you want to talk about, you know, what you believe in, you know, how we all got here. Those are conversations that I'm sure come up for for people within relationships. Again, Excuse may me, not guys, happen I'm right away. Pouring some water but, um, if you hear that in the background. May yeah. not happen right away, but that's something that for sure has to happen at some point. Because then it becomes a thing where, you know, um, Practices are involved. Traditions are involved. Holidays become involved. Oh, we could talk about that. You know, children, how we're going to raise our potential children if you decide. Are they going to be, you know, are well, they going to be were, Muslim? Are they going to be Christian? Are they going to be Jewish? Like, you, you just never know. You, you have that's born, something that has to be talked about. You were born and raised seven-day Adventists. I was born and raised seven-day Adventists, And you celebrate the sure. Sabbath. Uh, yes. So sunset Friday to sunset Saturday is what I was raised. Um, and when I say what I was raised doing... It was by way of my grandmother, mm-hmm. um, my mom's mom. You know, my uncle's a Seventh Day Adventist pastor down in Florida. So, you know, I was my mom wasn't really going with us, but I know that she right. felt as if it was important for me to have, you know, religion or some sort of religious education in my mm-hmm. life. Um, she never uh, pushed that on me, and I think that's why she was kind of absent in that process. She had my grandmother taking me so I can be exposed to it and I can right. know about God and about you know the story and, and the Bible. Are- um, you weren't allowed to wear earrings or makeup, right? Going to or church, dresses. right? And I remember one. So you're time, a heathen. I well, I went. I remember one time in particular that I felt like a heathen because mm. I went to church. This is mm. when I was a little bit older. Um, I went to church with my grandmother mm. in Brooklyn. Mm. Heathen. I won't say the name of the church, but um, you know, I had on like a nice little like kind of like a blazer jacket with a <clears> skirt. Um, it was a little fitted, you know what I mean? Because I like oh. my stuff tailored to me. Um, you were sure showing the dunk in the church. You were showing off the dunk in the church. Let's just say that I had a nicely tailored suit on, which I thought I was going in fairly modest. Wow. You know, had on some flesh tone nude shoes. The flesh. The flesh tone nude the shoes. The flesh. A um, little bit of makeup. I had some stud mm-hmm. earrings in mm-hmm. my ear that I forgot mm-hmm. to take off because mm-hmm. I would, out of respect, not wear earrings to church or jewelry to church. And I remember sitting um, in the pew 
next to my mm. mom who was dressed similarly to me. And then the pastor kind of just like darting at you. And I don't know if it's a thing where you feel like when you don't go to church for a long time that everybody's looking at you like, oh, she, she showed up like, today. You feel like that You know, church, you feel like yeah. everyone's looking at you. Um, but I remember the pastor, like, I feel like he was just looking at us the entire time. And then his sermon you know, he he put the whole thing out there where he's like, I'm gonna go off topic because off topic because you know the spirit's leading me to talk about this. The spirit. The spirit led him to then talk about Jezebel <laughs> and how she played a role in whatever society she was in. And I was just like, Is this man trying to talk to me? Is he mm. implying that because I'm wearing, you know, a nicely tailored suit and a little makeup and some earrings that Jezebel has entered the building? So so, so I felt some kind you of way felt about a little that. judged I did in your feel judged in my as church. a seventh day event. I did. I grew up Baptist, mm-hmm. and similar story. We, you know, I know women feel judged often, but my brother and I felt judged because we got tattoos, mm-hmm. and we often felt judged in church. I had an earring. I used to wear braids, tattoos, so we often felt judged. So, you grew up celebrating the Sabbath on the on the Saturday. We celebrate on, on a Sunday. Sunday. And I remember your aunt saying to you, wow, he goes, he celebrates oh, the Sabbath on the wrong day. That's another thing, too. Yeah, one of my aunts had the nerve to look at me and be like, oh, my goodness, he's such a nice guy. But he goes to church on the wrong day. Yeah, Like, man. what? I mean, listen, I don't What knock, does that even mean? I don't knock people's religious beliefs. So, I, at that point, I was like, listen, sis. You know what's funny? You and I, I can't. You and I raise our children differently. We mm-hmm. didn't choose. We no. talked about this when right. I when I asked her absolutely what she it was a conversation. because it was big in my upbringing and it was big you know, in mine and it was big in her. So I said, "What are we going to do with with our children? Which what day are you and I going to attend church?" Mm-hmm. And um, I I was a little blessed to get some reprieve, if you want to call it a reprieve, because we actually played games on Saturday, so we couldn't go mm-hmm. on a Saturday. And on Sunday, to be perfectly honest, I just didn't feel to go because I felt so judged at times, and I felt like. My girlfriend at the time would be judged because, you know, you didn't always dress. You dressed modestly, but, you know, you're curvy, you know, and you're cute. And I felt like you were always going to get judged. I was like, you know what? Let's just not go. And uh, we we try, we found our spirituality on our own. We sure did. But that leads us to what we were discussing, which is when you're meeting people, mm-hmm. discussing religious beliefs and what days you celebrate the Sabbath right. are extremely important because that can be a deal breaker well that's a whole lifestyle situation that's going to have to occur too because what if you know if i was so deeply rooted in the seven day adventist religion uh, Mm -hmm. or denomination i should say and i could not and would not and was not willing to miss the sabbath or not adhere to the rules of the sabbath we wouldn't work no we wouldn't, wouldn't work at all because Friday, Saturdays were your games. Right. You know, we, you like to go out on the weekends. Which Those are things that would not work for us in our relationship. Which I will admit, though, if you're strong in your religious beliefs and that's a deal breaker for you, I 100% agree with that. Right. Because if that brings Absolutely. you peace and keeps you centered Absolutely. in your daily walk for greatness. Don't compromise don't that. Don't compromise that. Don't compromise But it. that's why you have to have that conversation. Super early. You definitely have to have that conversation, which brings me to the third point. Ah, which is one of my favorite points. Y'all Which know I like to talk way? about credit. <laughs> oh, is that a favorite point now, credit? No, it is a favorite point because finances are huge for us. That's true. And people don't, you know how many people don't get, talk about credit. get married with debt and then say to myself, like, I know how many messages I get. Oh, I got married. I married my wife. I married my husband. And then I just found out that, you know, he has $60,000 in credit card debt or his credit score is under 500. Bruh. And I'm like, yo. Y'all didn't discuss finances before y'all got married, but let's be honest. I didn't talk about, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about it either. And that was a huge riff for us. 
in the very beginning. So the first three years? Not credit per se, but I mean, shoot, that was a big riff for us like last week. No, it wasn't now, a riff for us last it, week. You know? Um, Underst- understanding credit, number one. Well, that's but also daunting sharing, itself. Sharing that's, credit And that's well. why they have people who specialize in like credit repair and like right. they have courses on this stuff because it's not easy, nor is it for the faint at heart. But it's something that's super, super necessary because yeah. then you talk about what credit gets you. Credit gets you loans and credit gets you a car and it gets you a home. And these are things that if it's within your plan for five years or 10 years individually or with someone. Absolutely. It has to be hashed out. You, you have to be evenly yoked. Going back to religion, <laughs> credit-wise, because we talked about moral compass, right? And walking together, if you're two people walking together in, in one walk, mm-hmm. your credit can show you your your, your significant other's uh, financial moral compass. Bruh. It's like, did you really think that that was important to put on your credit card? Like, yeah, that's <laughs> you didn't crazy. think you had to pay that bill on time? Because I feel like sometimes the value, he's like walking down Wall Street, like, do-do-do-do-do-do, and I'm back on, like, Jerome and Sutter in Brooklyn. <laughs> in the hood with my shout with out, my finances shout out to Brownsville shout out to Brownsville in Brooklyn New York, grew up out, there grew up know. there love y'all well, but I'm just saying it is what it is and that's something that we struggle with very early on yes we did we did it was it, did. it was a growth thing for and us and then now it becomes a thing where even with finances it, it requires some consulting so it's not even like yeah. a, a tit for tat or I'm asking for permission to purchase something or to do something but you really have to now know that it's not just you that's being affected it's somebody else being affected absolutely in this. And then now we're trying to make plans together to progress. And, you know, how does that work out? So we got religion. Mm-hmm. We got politics. We got credit. Uh-huh. We did a whole thing on the budget nista. We're going to have the budget nista back to talk about oh, credit sure. and financial repair for two people. For sure. Because, sure. um, you know, that's that's a, that's a whole podcast in itself. Right. But this one as well is another story. It was is another DM that we get all the time. Wanting children should be discussed early in relationships. Yes, wanting or not wanting. Yes. Because I feel like there's a shift now where I'm seeing a lot more millennials, people my age and even younger, saying that they don't want children. And for various reasons. I met a young lady recently at a conference and she said she wanted children her entire life. But the way she sees the world right now and the way she is as a person, she feels like her heart literally can't take having a child and attempting to raise a child in an environment and in a world like this where there's so much unknown and there's so much changing and there's so much that she doesn't agree with that's happening that she's just like, I changed my mind. So imagine if she was in a relationship with somebody that, you know, okay, we're going to have children. And then all of a sudden she's just like, you know what? On second thought, I'm not with this whole kid thing. You know, you know, what's funny. Um. We as black people often go into relationships assuming things about other black people just because they're black. For example, you meet a black person, you automatically assume they go to church. Mm-hmm. God forbid a black person say they're atheists mm-hmm. or they're just spiritual and they don't go to church. It's like, oh my God, you're not right. really black. They assume that you're Democrat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times they assume that your credit is fucked up. Right? <laughs> it's just how right. it is. Like that's, right. that's, how, that's how we are as people. Mm-hmm. We assume that Everyone we meet want to have kids. If like right. you go into a relationship, oh, if we're dating with purpose, oh, we're dating with purpose to have children. To then procreate. And right. that becomes a very sensitive topic for some people too, because with us, it's like, okay, yeah. y'all dating when y'all getting engaged. Oh, you're engaged yes. when you're getting married. Oh, you married when you're having kids. What if they don't want to have kids right away? What if someone's trying to have kids and they're having problems conceiving? You never know someone's story and what they're going through behind the scenes. So you have to be very particular and very sensitive about things like that. You so, know, but as long as you and the person are on the same accord or you're speaking about it openly, I think in the very beginning we know because children are life changing and my, they're here forever. But my thing is, when when is it a con- not convenient, but when is it an okay time to say to a woman you're dating, mm-hmm. "Hey, are you interested in having children?" Because 
I feel like some women would take offense to that. Mm-hmm. It's just just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I want to have, have kids. Have children, yeah. You know, you know, they don't ask men that. They always ask women, "When are you settling down to have kids?" Right. When is it okay to say that to a woman when you're dating and just you know be like, "Hey, you know." Well, I guess it would, first of all, it would have to be if you're taking each other seriously. Right. I you would assume ask. it's a conversation that would happen a couple, I mean, a couple dates in when you're feeling each other and stuff, or if you feel like this is something that could potentially go somewhere. But I also think, too, as a woman, you kind of have to expect that and not take everything so sensitively. I feel like we're in a time right. where a lot of people take things like super sensitive off the bat. And it can just be a genuine question that someone is asking or a man will, will be asking, like, you know, hey, do you see yourself having children one day? You know, it's all about the way it's posed. And I think the timing that it comes up or the environment that it comes up in. You know, right. that it's not just maybe an interrogation, but, you know, it's something worth speaking about. And I think women should be open to, you know, saying how they really feel at that point. So would it would it be OK for if a dude, you know, say, for example, hypothetical, you're dating and you say you don't want to have kids. Mm-hmm. If a dude continues to date you, mm-hmm. knowing that since you don't want to have kids, you don't see something long term mm-hmm. and date someone else. You mean so if he dates someone else because he's like, you know what? She doesn't want children, so I'm just going to go. Yeah. Like, what if what if he just... Yeah, I would if, respect that. Because then what's the sense in holding on to somebody if you feel like... I think what, what's worse would happen is if he knows he really wants children and he feels like, ah, maybe I could win her over or maybe her thoughts will change or maybe maybe something so you will would happen take more and I can kind of romance her into having it. Yeah, I would take more offense to that than being upfront and him saying, you know what? I don't think that, you know, we're going to align on certain things for our life's path. This is something I'm expecting or something I want out of life. And so that I'm not robbed of that, I feel like we should go our separate ways. I think wow. that's the matured way to handle it. Wow, that's just that's uh, dang. That's because that's just, then why dive deeper into it? You know, and then it may be a thing where then, you know, in the process of them really feeling each other, that is the deal breaker, and then she ultimately feels like, you know what, maybe I should just give him a baby because she feels guilty. You know, yeah, you don't want to have a guilt now. baby. You don't have a guilt baby, but, and but then if you, you just start having this resentment, and then you're just like, this damn baby. Every time this baby comes around, it's like a thing, and it's like you're gonna have resentment. But that's that's just tough though. You meet a woman that you vibing with, and and everything is in alignment, and right. everything that we talked about, politics. Finances, um, mm-hmm. religion, and it she gets has the down look you want, everything. everything. And then it comes down to children, and, and she just says no, and then you just cut it. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that would be harsh. Maybe you've you know, and that's why I wouldn't say you try to romance her into wanting to have a, a child. But it's like everything is going so well. You want to have that. Where is the compromise if you want to have? You don't want to have children, and he wants to have children. Where is the compromise in that? I mean, I feel like there's something you don't have to compromise on if you're not with the person, you know, like you're not married or there's like an attachment to that person per se. If it's just an emotional attachment, then I say it's something that should be broken off earlier on. You don't you don't meet people. You don't meet soulmates too often. I agree. You don't meet soul, soulmates I agree. Too I mean, often. if you was trying to romance me to having a baby and I was like, nah, I don't really want kids, but DeVal wants one. Maybe we can compromise on one and not four. I've been romancing <laughs> you to have another baby since last year. Facts. Facts, but the compromise is you got three, not four. But I don't have no girls. Anyway, that brings me to our fifth topic, taboo <laughs> mental health, because that's crazy. <laughs> so that was the perfect that's, segue. That was a great segue. To talk about that was a great, that was mental a great health segue. matters. I like how you did that there. You like that? I like how I you took did a page that from your book. Yes, yes. Yeah. So mental health matters. Talking about, you know, uh, things that can be genetic, that run in the family. I, how you've been feeling lately. 
Where do you think mental health runs in this whole area of taboo talks? It's it's sad because we put mental health as five when realistically <laughs> should've been one. it should have been number one. Exactly. Talk about your head. But I think we're getting let me say something <clears throat> to you too. You talk, talk you mentioned my head today. All right. Uh-huh. You started your story off said that you was wet behind the ears. And then you said, I want to see if you grew into your head. Oh, Deval, shut I'm just up. saying. You're so you, you like you was I didn't know where you were going with that story early. It mm. took it took a couple sentences. But um anyway. Anyway, that- mental health. <laughs> mental health. I told you I he crazy. <laughs> <laughs> as we discover more as a people how important mental health is. Mm-hmm. When you meet people, it's important to know what things lie in their past. Family members, uh moms, dads, Yes. Um, depression, yes. schizophrenia. There are so many things that are actually mental health issues. That's not just, oh, he crazy, she crazy. If you knew that this person was dealing with a serious issue or chemical right, imbalance. that has been diagnosed and right. that they may be taking medication for. There's a family history of. Very important. You know, your grandmother. Very important. You know, just knowing that something that potentially runs in your family. Yes. You know, yes. It, it's... um. It's something that's super, very serious. And and I would I would put this at, at, at number one. Like, I would... Man, man, you're trying to meet somebody. Right. Mental health is so important. You you don't want to fall in love with somebody, meet somebody. You, you get everything going and then you find out that they have mental health issues. Because some people don't realize they have mental health issues. They walk around as a functioning adult mm-hmm. and they don't realize it. Right. You know, that, that something is seriously wrong. Right. You know, um, depression is big in this country and people can't figure out if it's social media, if it's medication. Oh, man, or there's if it's so a- many different factors I feel like yeah. that can contribute to mental health mental health issues. And like you said, sometimes people walk around fully functioning not knowing that, you know, or we tend to diagnose people like, oh, you know, such and such, he's bipolar because one minute he feels right, this we'll way throw and the that next word out there easily. And you throw it out easily not knowing that it's something right. that's, that's an actual legitimate, um, you know, illness that needs to have attention. Um, and I think... Sometimes those are things that are triggered for different reasons throughout life. Um, like I said, some things are genetic. So just even knowing family history, family health. So outside of mental health, just right. histories of different things that run in families. You know, I mean, that I, was I, the point for us. We found out about the sickle cell trait. Yes. You right. know, because um, right. I had... No, you had the trait. I had the sickle cell you trait. You have the trait. I don't yes. have the trait. And what we found out is if you have the trait and I have the trait, then our kids have a high chance of yeah, getting sickle cell. Yeah, they have cell. a 50% chance of having the sickle cell trait. And that's something that I didn't know because my mom neglected to tell me that. So in dating, you know, it wasn't something that I sat down and asked someone like, hey, there we go back to Zodiac sign, favorite color, what's your credit score? And do you have the sickle cell trait? You know, right. and it's, it wasn't it's, it wasn't up there. Exactly. And, and me being a kind of un- upfront forward person is something that I probably feel like I would bring up earlier like if i was dating now right with the intent to have children one day i think it's something worth discussing and i even said to like my siblings you know make sure you ask your doctor next time right to right, check right. if you because have the trait have because well. they may not have the trait right. you know my mom passed it to me and then i passed it to two of our sons so you know my brother and sister may or may not have the trait but now that they're of age where they're dating and they're dating seriously it's important to know, it's important to know. um and those are things that you know when you can control it and you know ahead of time, all the better. Some things are mental health issues that are triggered by various things throughout life. Well, it's so. funny It's funny you said trigger because that's why it's important to talk about it through relationships. Mm-hmm. Many mental health issues are triggered through relationships. Mm-hmm. Something happens at work. You see a lot of the violence and things that go on you know, in America. It happens in the workplace or it happens in school. A lot of these people are diagnosed with mental health, health issues that... 
were triggered by something that was happening daily. Mm -hmm. So now you're meeting someone and you're dating and you're spending a lot of time with this person. It's important to know if they have these issues and if there's anything you're doing that could trigger mm -hmm. their issues. So looking for signs Listen, and things like no, that. Looking yeah. for signs, but also knowing their past because if you know that someone has a mental health issue that is triggered by a behavior and you love this person, you don't necessarily have to run. From them at this point now you can understand what behaviors trigger that person and help navigate that person and yourself so that person can be a, a functioning adult you know it's not something you just run from when you hear a mental health issue For you sure. make a, a decision if this is someone i want to spend my life with and, and walk with them mm -hmm. that we can navigate this together together for sure you know and, For and, sure. and it's very important with triggers because even the violence you hear in relationships where a young man or young woman takes their own life and the life of a, a child and the life of their significant other and a child. Right. Oh my a lot goodness, of that comes recently, back. I was just showing you on the news, um, there was a, a young girl, a five-year-old, her father, walking her to school like normal, was on the platform out in, uh, I think, the Bronx. Right, in the Bronx. And then he jumped in front of the train. And right. f thank God that baby survived that. She walked away with, with minor scratches minor and bruises. Scratches. But he passed away. He did. He lost he his did. life. He did. He lost his life. And he was dealing, apparently, with depression, was on and off medication for a long time, his wife said. Um, and, you, so and you never know. You know, you hear, listen to this saying. Remember this, this saying, tears of a clown. And what Tears of a Clown talks about is, you know how some of the most funniest people in your life, mm -hmm. some of the happiest people in your life, they're always wearing a mask, mask off, mask on, mask off, mask on. They're wearing a mask. Underneath that mask of smiles and happiness, a lot of times are tears mm -hmm. that they're hiding from the rest of the world. And they're only willing to share with people that they trust. Mm -hmm. So if you're dating someone and you become that person's trust, it's important for you to know when that person is taking the mask off and who right. they are right. when they're not in front of their friends always joking. Because that's right. what you always hear. I never knew. This right. person was always laughing and joking. You and take Robin too, Williams, for example. Yeah. One yeah. of the most funniest men ever right. in the history of comedy and mm -hmm. films took his own life. Right. And also you know? providing that safe space for them to feel comfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so important, too. That's huge. You know, sometimes you laugh. We, we laugh or joke about mental health and people just being crazy. But that can then deter people from feeling like they can confide in you or having a safe space for people to speak and open up about things that are bothering them. You know, so. Well, super, you super give me important. a safe space, baby. I do. I feel safe. Because you a clown, boy. I, feel, I do, but you I have tears. You are a clown. You be sometimes having Sometimes I come home. You know. And. You do. I just be, you know, I be in, a, in a, a space where I just need my baby sometimes. I hear you. And I need you to let me cry on your shoulder and let me let it out. And it's okay. Absolutely. Like, I feel comfortable, you know, as a man, as a very masculine alpha male saying sometimes I go home and when I'm, when I'm off and my mask is off, I can cry on my KK. You know, I can cry and say, baby, I just want to do this. I remember I used to cry to you all the time. This is God's honest truth. I used to be in the house and she's like, what's the matter with you? And I'm like, I just want to act, man. Yep. I just want to do TV. I didn't want to play yep. football. I didn't want to train people. I just wanted to act and do TV. And I would cry. Literally. And he would, would be cry. upset because DeVal is a person that if he wants it, like right now, he's going to try to get it right now. Like he doesn't yeah. want to do the whole like we'll get it someday thing. He's like, how can I make this happen yeah. now? And I had to explain to him like, babe, this is great. You're doing everything in your power. But you have to wait until the time is right. You, It's not going to happen overnight like that yeah. for you. And you kept at it though. Because those, those weak moments – in those weak moments, you gave me the power to, I could release that. Yeah, for You know sure. what I'm saying? I could release that. For and sure. then I could, I could refuel, go back out, and stay at it. 
For sure. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think um, that we've both developed, um, you know, us again talking about the taboo topics. We've developed a safe space for us mm-hmm. to openly speak about all of these things that were once taboo. Yes. That are no longer taboo. And I feel like this is starting to kind of trickle off onto our families now. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, our parents, I know my parents particularly, who are not very vocal, which I've said before about random things and speaking and communicating and, mm-hmm. and saying how they feel. We are now, I feel like, allowing for dialogue to transpire in Absolutely. our household and then paving the way for our siblings, Yes, you know, to then feel comfortable bringing other people around yes. and openly speaking about how we feel. So that eliminates so much yes. of the unknown and the guessing and the wondering and that tiptoeing right. and right. ain't nobody got time for that no more. Like there's stuff to get done. If we can be as direct as possible without hurting anyone's feelings, being respectful and yes. creating again, the safe space for people to feel like they can speak about these things. Why the hell not? And absolutely. And, and most importantly, creating a safe space for our children. Absolutely. Because I want my boys to be able because to come they, to they, me and talk to me. Yeah. And we, we want them to be able to, be able to see that. Right. You know, I feel like back in the day when I used to, my, my mom and her sisters and my grandmother and grandfather, they used to have these little caucuses in the basement yeah. and everything was very secretive. And, <laughs> you know, we didn't know what they were talking about. And I would try to go to the stairways to like listen to what they're saying, just being nosy. But now I feel like Jackson and Cairo and Kaz can see us openly sitting down yeah. having dialogue with each other. They can see us not arguing or bickering, right. but disagreeing, but respectfully, you know. And so. they, as three young black men, will ultimately have that dialogue with the women they date. Right. And they build families with, which leads us back to the five things that Kadeen and I feel that you should speak to people about when you date. Yes. We're going to go over these five, write these down. We got religion, politics, credit, wanting children, and mental health. Yep. And if you don't have a pit bull, more, but... if you don't have a pit bull like my mom and her mom, <laughs> you know, because women are the gatekeepers in our families, uh-huh. the, the, the women, the moms are the gatekeepers. If you don't have a pit bull, you can be the pit bull yourself and have these conversations with the people you're dating. You know, it's funny. You laugh, I laugh about the moms being the pit bulls because sometimes it's the dads that kind of infuse what they're thinking. And then the moms come across as the pit bulls because my father sure be having questions, but he don't want to ask directly. So he'll say to my mom, I Kay. wonder what X, Y, Z is Kay. happening. Kay, and then my mom will be the pit bull. It's all right. Mom, I got father, you back. Your father's not the pit bull. <laughs> your father is not a pit bull. He's not even a dog. He's not a chihuahua. <laughs> Your father, your father's not even a chihuahua. Your father just be chilling. He be chilling. He's like probably the most chill person out of the entire family. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get into some listener letters when we get back. Absolutely. And some ads first. Definitely got to Gotta pay some bills. Gotta pay some bills. We get to these ads and then listener letters when we get back. Dead ass. Stay tuned. This for the record. There it is. A win for the ages. Tiger Woods is one of our most awe-inspiring sports icons. And his story, it comes with many chapters. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. But here it is. The return to glory. This is All-American, a new series from Stitcher, hosted by me, Jordan Bell. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf. No question in my mind. And this season, with the help of journalist Albert Chen, we're asking. What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? 
All-American Tiger is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. All right now, so our mailboxes have been flooded and we've been trying to get through all these listener letters. So let's dive right into the first one for today's episode. I met an amazing guy who loves me so much. He's been hurt in the past and honestly, so have I. But he has some sort of PTSD from it. He's accused me of looking at his debit card pin when I just was staring into space. He accused me of cheating multiple times by asking why he's seen sheets in my dryer a few times. He's asked me, he's accused me of taking and hiding his things when he cannot find them. When we talk about it, he thinks I'm inconsiderate of his feelings, and I think he's wrong for accusing me of things when he swears up and down that he trusts me. It's very confusing, and it leads to plenty of arguments. Please help. I don't think I... Sorry, I don't think I should listen to his accusations because I've been supporting him and more than faithful and loving to him. I know these are his issues, and I'm getting hit with the process. He wants forever, but I can't deal with this forever. Mm. I need a relationship with trust. I've never given him a reason to not trust me. What to do? What should I say? Damn, sis. Damn, that's, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. So the PTSD that he's experiencing, I'm wondering, is it just from, I guess, past relationships, yeah, I'm it's, assuming? Yeah, probably. Um, or it, maybe it probably even what he's passed. grown up around. Um, yeah. Could have been something that he... Witnessed. Witnessed. You know, with his, his family, family. Yep. you know, mother-father relationship. I'm not sure what his relationship is. Um, I wonder if you guys seek any kind of counseling or therapy. Because sometimes, you know, Deval and I have never actually gone to a therapist per se um, because we've been super open about talking and I feel like we've been able to navigate some of our problems. Um, but that's because we never really have guards up and we right. don't take things too personally, nor do we get defensive at times. But I, but I do think that we both had a stigma about therapy early on. And had we gone to therapy, yeah. we would have gotten through our problems faster, a lot quicker. Yes, faster yes. for sure. And the reason I ask that is because, or say that rather, is because you know him constantly feeling like you're you're not considering his feelings, or maybe getting defensive about it whenever you bring up yes. the top, topic of conversation. Maybe it requires an outside Absolutely. source to help kind of circumvent that. I agree and navigate 100%. the issues. You know, um, mm-hmm. it may require more than just the two of you speaking about it because he may not even think that he has an issue. You know, I um, mean, most of the time when when people, whether they have PTSD or not from past relationships or things in the past, when how you discuss your issues, often shows you if you're going to get over it. He could be right and you could be right. But if y'all discuss it in the wrong fashion, you're never going to get to mm. the re- the root of the problem. Right. So that's why I think that therapy or a mediator can help. Right. Because if he gets if she gets if she, if he feels that she's defensive mm-hmm. when she's trying to explain to him her truth, right. she's never going to be able to get her truth across. No, for which sure. Which means he's just going to continue to build his own narrative and his own truth about what's going on and things are going to get worse. He's going to have to hear from someone independent of you about what he's really going through. He's going to have to unpack that on his own before he comes to you with another issue. Only way he could do that is through therapy or through a mediator. For sure. Yep. Deval's seen the a therapist. I saw, I, told, I saw a therapist and I didn't Unbeknownst even tell Unbeknownst to me. I did not know Deval was seeing a therapist. And at first I felt some kind of way about it because I was like, how do you mean you were like, first of all, I was like, where did you tell me you were at when you were at a therapist? That was the first thing. Yo, listen. Then secondly, I was just like, well, why couldn't you talk to me about it? Why did you have to seek a therapist? Because one, I didn't want you to feel as if you were the reason 
that I needed to go see a therapist. Which I understood. I after felt the like fact. if I told you that, you would take that on. Knowing you, you would take that on. It's like, oh my God, totally. my husband's going to Absolutely. see a therapist. Absolutely. I needed to find out what was going on within me. Yes. So in order to do that, I had to do something for me. It, it, it had nothing to do so with it wasn't you. about me it wasn't about you which i had a hard you. time dealing with that first because i felt like you should have been able to at least tell me you were going to see a therapist which is exactly why i didn't want to say anything right. and i think it's okay for people to sometimes in life because this is my life even though we're sharing it together make decisions about my life that's going to better me so i can be a better version of of myself for you absolutely you know and, absolutely because um, we also talked about not relying on somebody else to be the sole source of your happiness either exactly and if that's the case he needed to look for some way you know some other outside source to help him realize why he wasn't happy with himself yes. and that had nothing to do with me Absolutely, and that's something that I had to realize and stop being so selfish and you know making it about me when it really wasn't about me so maybe encourage him if he's open to it Yeah, um, you know see if you know you guys can speak with someone about this topic and stuff because I'm sure that's super uncomfortable living like that like even the debit card pin it's like seriously see all, uh, of, all of this stuff all, all the stuff that she's saying that he's accusing her of that don't matter mm-hmm. what really matters is that he has some issues he needs to unpack for sure and the way they're Discussing this, discussing this is not a way that they can seek resolution. That's what was going on with us. Before I saw my therapist, every time we spoke, I used to say to Kadeen, you get so defensive. Mm-hmm. You get so defensive mm-hmm. to the point where I stopped talking to her right. because I didn't want to hear her defend why she did something that hurt me. Right. And to me, I wasn't being defensive. I was just explaining to you why I felt the way I felt or why I did a particular act. I feel like if I do something or if I say something, I should be able to explain to you how I arrived there. And Deval wasn't trying to hear that. He just I wasn't. labeled me defensive. And that bothered me. And it still kind of bothers me now when I hear it because it makes me a little excited. But I'm just like, you know, <laughs> I want you, I want to explain the full picture here, not just, you know, the ending of the story. How did I arrive at this story ending? What I so, learned through therapy was that the way I feel and how I feel is all on me. Her telling me why she did what she did is not defending herself. It's just her giving her truth. How I receive her truth is not up to her. That's up to me. I learned that in therapy. I had to work on how I received her truth. If I'm only willing to receive her truth as defense, I'm never going to hear what her truth is. And that's what these guys are going through. You guys, I think you should see therapy, whether it's him by himself or it's you together. I think that he definitely needs to speak to a professional about what he's going through. This way they can learn how to discuss. Because Kadeen and I now, I don't go to a therapist anymore. But now I know how to deal with what she's telling me. And she knows Absolutely. how to take what I'm yeah, telling Yeah, it doesn't her. have to be a long-term thing. But it can be just a couple of sessions in just to kind of unpack certain things. And, you know, our culture is not is not very kind to or open to the idea of therapy. They think mm-hmm. it's, you know, sharing your problems and talking and showing a sign of weakness. I wasn't open to it. It could totally be the opposite. I thought it was a waste of money. I thought it, I thought it was... I thought it was just, you know, a thing that, quote unquote, white people do. White people go to therapy. I don't need therapy. I'm strong. Like, I'm, a, I'm a man. You know, this is what I I'll do. Deal hurt, hurt. I'll deal with it. But yeah. when I got to the point where I couldn't deal with it and it, the, the worst was when I did not want to come home and I had to choose between not seeing my kids and being out or being home, seeing my kids and dealing with the issues we had. Mm-hmm. At that point, it was like, you know what? I got I to gotta try something new. For sure. Because if it, if it means that I'm missing time with my boys because I'm out. Just trying to, you know, get away from what we're dealing with. That's not good for them. So. For sure. All right. Good luck to y'all. Question number two. What do you do if there is no intimacy? I try to send nice little text messages, do little nice things, but it seems like he is clueless. I know he loves me, but he doesn't show love. He is not romantic at all. I try talking to him, but I sound like a broken record. If we sleep with each other, I always have to start it. I'm very upset. 
I want to feel like I want it. I also ask him, is it me? And he claims that it's not me. He's just tired. I see he gives other females compliments and say nice things to others, but not me. What should I do? Yeah. Oh, so this is coming from a woman. A woman yes. So mm. pretty much she feels as if she's not getting the attention and the intimacy from her husband. Wow. I wonder what her gut's telling her. Because, you know, we always talk about this female gut and her intuition. And I'm like, what is her, her gut telling her? Is she telling her that maybe he's, you know, eyes are roaming or his legs are walking elsewhere or not, you know? And it's it's a hard thing to not be desired. I think it's not just a man, it's not just a woman thing. It can be a person thing, mm-hmm. the, the want or the desire to feel like you're wanted and you're attracted to or, or someone is attracted to you. Um, so that's rough. That's rough. Um well, this I don't is, know. As a man, what do you think, Deval? Because as a woman, I, I, I don't know what that's like to not feel <laughs> not feel I know, because I be on desired, your ass all the time. Cause, yeah, because you stay on my ass. But I do hear that sometimes from, I, I, have no, I know um, actually somebody who comes to mind who feels that way as well. Well, I mean, I mean, he could be feeling a certain way. For example, there, were a point, there was a point in our relationship, even recently this, this past summer, where I felt like you weren't paying attention to my needs. Mm-hmm. So in turn, I was leaving it up to you to initiate. Mm-hmm. Everything, remember? Yeah. I was just like, you know what? You initiate it. Since right. you want to do things your way, I'm going to just wait for you to initiate it. And um, it was petty. I know it was petty. But I was doing it to get my point across. Right. You know what I'm saying? I was doing it to get my point across. Because that's what married people do. Yes. We're mad petty. We're <laughs> mad petty. petty. And we're when trying you're... to figure it out. And it's just like, well, we're going to see how long this is going to last. How long are those drawers going to stay right there on the floor and the side of the bed before Deval picks them up? Little you things I like I see that. how you deflect and push this to my drawers on the side of the bed. Right. When that's we were annoying. initially talking about... Get in the drawers. Sorry, I had to get that out. <laughs> you get going, in the drawers. You feeling something? Did I pick my drawers up this morning? I, you probably didn't. No, they probably still They're there. They're probably still there. But, um, my mom might have went in and picked them up. <laughs> probably. She needed to stay out of my drawers, man. Stay out of my room. <laughs> For sure. She be all in my room, man. All right. But um, Back to helping homegirl out. Yes. I feel like I feel like it's just tough because if, if he's the type of man who doesn't speak on things, which mm-hmm. it sounds like. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he doesn't, doesn't speak on things. And he's, he's saying he's tired, this and this and that. I think she should try some different things first to get his attention. Right. If she's exhausted all those things. Right. I think they should see therapy. Talk about it. They have sex therapists to mm-hmm. talk about intimacy. Are they married? Did she say if they were yes, married? They oh, they married. are married. Yes, okay. They are married. they are married. So, yeah. And then, you know, it's hard and being a married children. couple. They have children. Sometimes it's, there's the monotony that happens in life just going from day to day because there's routine and there's, you know, maybe switching up the routine a bit. And I would want to ask her, you know, sis, what are you doing to make sure that he is paying attention? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you. Well, talk a little bit know, about what we've, I think, what we've been I think through. that's super important. I mean, you know, I don't think I, I, for, I don't think it's a shallow thing, but I do think that looks are important. Yeah, being attracted to your significant other throughout the marriage or the course of your relationship is important. Taking care of yourself is important. Right. It's funny. My mom had said to me um, after I had Jackson, she was like, "Okay, you know, just make sure you keep yourself together because you're a mom, but you're also, you know, a wife too." And I appreciate you that, know, mom. which is you know, and she made it clear to me like, you know, make sure you keep yourself together. And that doesn't mean that I had to be the size two to development, you know years prior but I like you at a six to eight though <laughs> like when you be like think like that'd, that'd be good six to eight <laughs> thank, thank you mom thank right. you mom because I'll never be a size two again <laughs> but it's just you know it's just like you, you don't expect that but you do expect as you evolve and as you grow to just take care of yourself sometimes little things like that can go a long way yeah. so I don't know if there's an, an attraction thing that's missing because she said he does compliment other women about it other things be. you know so maybe there's something missing there on her end maybe she needs to be doing something on her part to help kind of jog that in you, him you know because you know? I do believe there's a responsibility in a relationship you know sometimes I get flack for saying like oh the women should be taking accountability for their role in it mm-hmm. but i believe that it's very important to do that 
you can't be with a man and expect for him to just still be that into you if you're not taking care of yourself and holding up your end of the bargain and it goes the other way. No, it does. You I know, mean, did I, I be in the gym trying to keep it together for me? I do. I ask you, know? you about my back fat all the time. All the I'm time. like, yo, do you see my back fat? Right. Like, when I right. walk out the shower, do you be like, ooh, or do you be like, ooh? Exactly. I'm just like, <laughs> I damn, this he's in the gym again. And I was like, oh, I'm in the Oreo aisle. I know he loves Oreos, but ah, that might add to his back fat. So I don't know if I should get the Oreos today because <laughs> <laughs> no, he loves Oreos. But I think I think intimacy is always a tough topic for married couples yeah. who've been together a long and time ebbs and flows with that appearance is definitely one thing but um there are also other things that have nothing to do with appearance like right now i feel like you're if, if, as a 10 as a 10 can be i feel like you're perfect but we have our intimacy issues with where it's just how it's initiated yes you send text messages and you, you know, try to get me in the mood and then you just want to get in the bed at night after watching tv and just roll over and have sex men aren't into that no and this is what women need to understand you may not want to hear it because you may think that that's, you know, oh, I don't want to hear that's misogynistic. Men like the chase. Men want excitement. Men want to feel like they did when they were in their prime and they were trying to get all these different women. They kind of want to have that same, that same adventure with the woman they spend the rest of their life with. So it's not like, okay, it's 7 o'clock, it's Thursday, sex time. Right. Oh, 7 o'clock, Thursday next week, right. sex time. That <laughs> gets sure. boring. And when that starts to happen, it's not like I'm not in the mood. Like, I'm not in the mood for that. I really don't. I'll pass. I'll pass. I remember um, I, I talked about resetting the freak level. Yeah. The first couple times I passed on sex for Kadeen, and Kadeen was like, what? I was like, what? My head did a whole, like, 360 <laughs> on my body. And I was like, you pass? What? That was me being petty. Cause I we ain't playing dominoes, nigga? Like, pass? <laughs> I, I, did you I, just knock on me? He just knocked on me, y'all. <laughs> he knocked on me. And I was like, this cannot be happening right now. I did, and I didn't want to knock on you. It, it was a lot. It was a lot. Like, Oh gosh, it was a lot to me. Yeah, not, but the next thing you was knocking at my door. I was, but I had to prove my point. <laughs> that, that's that's part <laughs> of petty marriage, marriageness. It was the, being petty, but sure. there's so many different things that could be a part of it. One, like Kay said, yes. make sure that you are in, you know, keeping up with yourself and mm-hmm. making sure you're the best version of yourself so that he can stay interested. Mm-hmm. And also find out what things interest him. Because your version of what may interest him may not be his version of what interests him. And it's funny because we have to do the same thing with our, our wives. Like, things that I think are sexy could be like, <laughs> nah, son. I was like, mm, nah, I ain't think that was sexy at all, son. I'll I'll take a pass on that one. <laughs> Just recently, DeVal tried to do something to me, and he was like, but you used to like that. Like, I was like, yeah, but not no more. Yo, Don't times, do that no more. <laughs> times change. Times change. <laughs> and you got to roll with the roll with the punches, sis. That used to be my move right there. I used That used to be my yeah, move. Don't do that no more. It's all right. We it's, can, it's like, we all right. We can bury that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, continue to grow yes. and learn each other for and sure. speak to each other. For sure. And try different things. Try to switch it up a little bit, sis. Yeah. I'm going to take my own advice because, you know, this guy over here likes a little variety. Spice I do. of life. I do. You're doing all right, though. You're doing for all right. For sure. As, I, as I'm r- working on my acting chops again and, you know, getting back into it, I got a couple different wigs Oh, role home. play. She, she didn't mention role play. Yeah. You know, so I got a couple different wigs, so it depends on who he's trying to see at that particular time. You know, we're trying to find some little funny things to do. Fun yeah, things to do. That'd be nice. Keep at it, sis. Yes. For sure. So listen, if you want to be featured as one of our listeners on our listener letters, just email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. That's D E A D. A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. Nice. And that moves us into the moment of truth, where we tie up the show, 
put a big bow on top and you tell me what is your biggest takeaway from this um, entire episode? Uh, my biggest takeaway, first and foremost, is that I understand what my mom and your mom was doing when we met at a young age. Because mm-hmm. we met at 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So your mom was a pit bull. My mom was a Rottweiler. And they were guarding their prized possession, which is their daughters. So for them, it was trying to find out the most important aspects of the people outside of, oh, the looks, and they're in love, and they love each other, and they're infatuated. They wanted to get to the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. And I realized that you have to have these important conversations with the people you're dating if you're thinking long term. Religion, politics, credit, wanting children, mental health, very, very important. Speak about it. Own your truth. If you with it, get it up, get together. If not, move on and find somebody else. For sure, for sure. Uh, I think that kind of segues into my moment of truth when I was thinking about the mask. We talked about the mask with mental health, but mm-hmm. just the mask in general. A lot of us wear masks around here, Ooh, you yeah. know? When we're dating and we're talking and we're interacting with people. Um, and, and sometimes that's for valid reasons. You feel like you want to guard yourself and you feel like you're better off kind of keeping certain things to yourself because it's better for you. Or, right. you know, you kind of want to be that observer first. Right. You know, versus the person who's quick to speak. Um, but kind of opening that up and, you know, feeling comfortable and knowing who you can take the mask off with. Yes. Is very important. Um, and it may not happen in the very beginning of a dating relationship. You know, again, I don't know what much about what the dating scene is like. But from what I hear from single friends, it's sometimes hard to do that. That's a um, good one, though, baby. Taking so the really mask off to ta- discuss you know, these things. That's dope. Take the ma- you know, even if you got to, like, cock it to the side real quick just to kind of peek out and see, mm, can I do this or can I not? <laughs> you know, and then looking for signs and looking for triggers within a person or within a relationship or in with a conversation where you may feel comfortable or not divulging certain things. So um, that's my takeaway from today's show is I'm um, trying to see, you know, what that mask looked like. Yeah, people take your masks like off, it. man. If you really, if you really <laughs> about this, this millennial dating life and building mm-hmm. a legacy. For sure. Creating a future with someone else, man. Take the mask off. Talk about these topics. For sure. For sure. Yes. And be sure to follow us on social media. That's I am DeVal. And Kadeen I am. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, because we love to hear your feedback and what you like and what we can improve on. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. That way we can get new episodes out and they automatically download to your phone. Deadass. Deadass. Deadass is a production of Stitcher. It's produced by T-Square and Honora Pena. Our associate producers are Kristen Torres and Tribble. Our studio engineers are Brendan Burns and Andy Kristen's daughter. Attention all Deadass listeners. We have a special announcement. I repeat, a special announcement. Why are you screaming at our listeners? They can hear you. They, you're I the want, only thing they listen to. I got to make sure they hear me because we are taking our show on the road for two nights only. Deadass. On Thursday, November 21st, we will be at the Underground Arts in Philly. And on Friday, November 22nd, we'll be back in our hometown, Brooklyn, baby. Baby, stand up. At the Bell House. That's right. Tickets are available right now. Special guests will be announced soon. So get your tickets at deadasspodcast.com. You don't want to miss it. We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. We have a podcast going on right now as part of the Stitcher Network called The Distraction. That's available everywhere you get your podcast at uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction. Right now. It's out. Do it, please. <laughs>